Hey, um, we are starting a new series this morning, and I'm really excited about that. It's called Following Jesus, Discovering the Extraordinary Within the Ordinary. What we're going to be doing in this series is we are going to be following along the disciples as they follow Jesus in his ministry throughout the four Gospels. And it is going to be interesting. Uh, the disciples were relatively ordinary people. None of them really had superpowers or any of that fun stuff. They were ordinary people living an ordinary life. And when they chose to follow Jesus, the extraordinary often happened. And in this series, what I want us to do is to see that the disciples then are no different from us now. We are ordinary people. At least most of us are. Some of us think we're special. I don't know. Um, we are ordinary people. Yet when we choose to follow Jesus, the extraordinary often happens. And so what we're going to do is follow along with, this, with the disciples in this series. It's going to be a blast. See them make lots of blunders and make big discoveries and see how we fit into all of it throughout all of it. And so we're going to start this morning with the beginning for the disciples when Jesus called his first five disciples in the book of John. Uh, the scripture reading this morning is John 1, 35 through 51. Lexi Fister has graciously agreed to read scripture for us this morning. So Lexi, please head on up. And then what we do here is we stand, if you are able, and we face the scripture as it's read. And we do so because we believe that scripture holds high importance for us. It tells us everything we need to know about Jesus. So Lexi, take it away. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said to the rabbi, Where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two he heard that John had said who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was not find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth, can anything good come from here? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching him, said him, he said of him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom he, there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus said, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Thank you, Lexi. You may be seated. So here's that moment I was talking about in the announcements where we're going to talk to our neighbors. Are you ready for this? Okay, without saying Jesus or your parents, those are the two that you can't use, who is your greatest hero? 
So we're going to take a moment, turn to your neighbor, and share who is your greatest hero. Go. All you introverts, good job. I'm proud of you. You did it. So, so we all have heroes in our lives, don't we? We all do. There are those people in our lives that we look up to greatly for whatever it may be, their career or their talents or their dedication. Whatever it may be, there are those people that we look up to. Some of those people seem to have found life in such a way and we want that, that we want a life like that. They are our heroes. You know, when I was a kid, about nine years old, I had a season, I won't tell you how long it was, where I was a big fan of Michael W. Smith. That's a picture of Michael W. Smith in the 80s. He looks good. Michael W. Smith was a really big deal to my nine-year-old self. I remember if we were ever getting in the car that in a car ride that was going to be longer than 10 minutes, we'd grab that sweet cassette tape, push it in, and rock out to Michael W. Smith. Friends are friends forever, if you know that song. It is brilliant. But I loved him so much, and one day my mom came home and said she had won tickets to a Michael W. Smith concert, and I was going to go. I was really excited. And what made it even better was there was a VIP meet and greet that I got to be a part of as well. And so we went to the concert, and it was awesome. I mean, he was amazing. He sang Friends Are Friends Forever, begrudgingly, I think, at that point. It was great. And then after the show, we made it to a VIP line where we stood, and we waited to meet Michael W. Smith. And I realized as we're waiting in the line, I have to say something to this guy. Like it's going to be awkward if I just say, hey, and shake your hand and then walk away. Like I have to, we have to converse somehow. But I didn't know what to say. And so we're going through the line and I'm racking my brain and my anxiety level is rising as this is going. I don't know what to say to Michael W. Smith. And before I know it, the line had willed down and there's only one person before me. And then there's Michael W. Smith. And I still had nothing to say. And then two very large gentlemen with black t-shirts came up to me and escorted me to the man himself, Michael W. Smith. And with a lot of anxiety and very sweaty hands, I imagine, I vigorously grabbed his hand and shook. And, I, and this is what I could say. This is all I got out was, I'm your biggest fan. And that wasn't even the awkward part. <laughs> the awkward part was he said, okay. <laughs> and then the two large gentlemen with the black t-shirts on escorted me away. And that was my amazing experience. You know, there's those moments in our lives where we're, we're like, you know, I'd really like to change that. And that may be one of them for me. We all have heroes. We have people that we deeply look up to, that we want to be, that we even imitate. You know, it could be for you like an actor or a musician or an author or a leader in your field or whatever it may be. You know, if you don't have a hero this morning, I can recommend one. Your pastor can be your hero. 
It's true, they can. Um, but in the time of the disciples, there were heroes of the day as well. There were a lot of them. And these heroes of the day were these traveling Jewish teachers named rabbi. They would travel around and they got quite famous for a couple reasons. They could get famous because they could understand scripture in ways that perhaps others couldn't. That they could interpret scripture well. That they were smart theologically. And then there were other ways they would get famous by using politics. Some rabbi would come out very anti-Rome, the ruling country. And the Jewish people of the day loved that. And rallied around these people that were anti-Rome. And when these traveling teachers, these rabbi would come into town... Local villages would come in and swarm and surround them. And they would hang on every single word the rabbi would say. And these teachers were really the heroes of the Jewish world at the time. And, and in this time, these famous teachers, these rabbi, would take on followers or disciples. The word they would use is talmudim. And the followers would attempt to really just imitate every single thing this teacher would do. Every single thing the teacher did, they would do. They would walk there. They would touch that. They would, and they would also walk with him, and then they would conversate. They would converse about uh, theology and what this other rabbi said. And they would learn the scriptures and learn to interpret by following this rabbi around. But there was one caveat in this time. And that was to become a follower of a rabbi or a teacher was incredibly difficult. It was unlikely to be one of those people. You know, in the time of uh, Jesus and the disciples, Jews had this really great education system that they had set up. It was really progressive for today because most people didn't read and write or any of that, yet the Jews were actually teaching their people to do so. It was quite amazing. And this system really became the vessel for a person to follow one of these traveling teachers. Uh, when kids were about six years of age at this time, they would tend a they would attend a, a, a Jewish elementary school of sorts. And what they would do in this school is they would learn math. They'd learn to read. And they'd, they'd learn to write. And, and the way that they would learn to do these things is through studying the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah. They would study. They would take uh, the Torah and they would copy it down over and over and over again. They would take the Torah and they would memorize it, what, it, what it said and recite it back over and over and over again. And by the time these kids were finished with their elementary school education, there was a good chance that they could recite the entire Torah, the first five books of the Bible, word for word, all the way through. Now, when they finished this, they would go on to... Uh, well, the, the girls would go on to hang out with their mom and learn kind of what their mom did. The boys would go off and they would learn the family trade, whatever that may be. But there were those some boys that excelled more than other boys. And those boys would head off to a kind of Jewish high school, we'll call it. And they would have a teacher and they would learn from the teacher. And from there they would learn, uh, they would learn the prophets 
and the other writings in the Old Testament. By the end, they would have learned the whole Old Testament. They would have learned how to interpret the Old Testament in a really uh, like primary way. And they would memorize to the point where it is safe to say that some of these boys, when they left this program, this high school, they could have had the entire Old Testament memorized, word for word. Then, after high school finished, they would head off mostly to their trades with their dad, whatever it may be. But then again, there were those boys that excelled even in the high school. They were that top tier in the high school. And those boys would go after a traveling rabbi, a teacher, and say, can I follow you? And what the rabbi would do is say, well, I don't know. Let me ask you some questions. Let's test you here. Hey, quote the entire book of Leviticus. Go. And they would have to quote it. You know, this rabbi said this. What did he mean by that? And they would have to try to figure that out. And if they passed muster, they could follow this rabbi. The problem is, is that the rabbi said no to almost all of these kids. It was a very small fraction. The 1% of the 1% of the Jewish boys were the ones that got to follow a rabbi. You know, a few minutes ago, we all shared our, our, hero, our story of our heroes, right? Who are our heroes? We all shared that. And assuming that they weren't your parents or relatives or something like that, imagine that at some point in your life that that hero called you on the phone and said, hey, you should come hang out with me. Work with me. Follow me around. Let me show you what I do. Can you imagine what that would be like? There's actually stories of this. There is a guy from the Philippines. His name is Arnel Panetta. He was destitute. He was poor. He had no money. He had no food. And what he did to start making money is he started to learn to play music. He could play the guitar. He could sing. He could do those things. And later on, he would slowly try to get into the band scene and play at clubs and all sorts of stuff. But it really didn't make a lot of money. But this guy's icon, this guy's heroes were the classic rock giants of the 80s. He loved these guys, and he imitated these guys over and over again. At one point, his video makes it on YouTube, a video of him playing a song. And a band named Journey sees the video. And they see the video and they're like, this guy's good. We need a lead singer. And they fly this destitute Filipino into Marin County, California, and they, and they practice together. And guess what happens? He makes it into the band. It's one of those hero moments where, oh my goodness, I'm with my hero. What does all this have to do with the disciples in our story? You see, our passage this morning is the story of Jesus calling five of his disciples. You see, Jesus was one of those traveling teachers we just talked about. And our story is of how these young boys, these disciples, came to follow Jesus. They were Jesus' followers. And so what I want to do today is to go through their stories and unpack their story just a little bit because their stories aren't that much different from our stories. And so we'll start here. 
there's two first disciples that are mentioned in this passage. And they are with another famous Jewish rabbi. His name is John the Baptist. Here's their story. You ready? The next day John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, What do you want? They said, Rabbi, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about four in the afternoon. These first two disciples, one of them is named, and the first disciple is Andrew. And then there's a second disciple, and it's, this disciple is unnamed. Often when there's an unnamed disciple in the book of John, it's John. So we're going to pretend that the unnamed, unnamed disciple is John today. So Andrew and John, their story is somewhat typical of what it would have looked like for a student to seek out a rabbi. Um, Andrew and John were probably excellent students. They were the cream of the crop. They were the 1% of the 1% of religious Jews at the time. Andrew and John were such great students that they eventually were able to go out and ask a rabbi, Hey, rabbi, can I follow you? And John the Baptist said, Yes, you can follow me. And then they came across a man at one point as they're following this rabbi. And this man greatly admired this other rabbi. His name is Jesus. In fact, not just admired him, but John the Baptist said that Jesus was the Lamb of God. And so Andrew and John did what any disciple would do at this point. They took a left turn and they said, hey, let's follow this Jesus guy for a while and see what he's up to. If our rabbi likes him, we probably should follow him as well. And they do. And Jesus says, come. You see, some of us do really well with faith. Some of us, we're, we're very knowledgeable about the faith. We're, we're well-versed. We can quote scriptures. We are disciplined with our faith. We pray. We do all that we're supposed to do, and we love doing it, and we constantly crave more. We want more depth. We want to know God more. We just simply want more God. And Jesus tells people like that, come. Learn my ways. Grow more in your love of God. Follow his commandments by following me. You see, Jesus calls the gifted to follow him. Now let's move on to disciple number three. The, the third disciple mentioned is Simon Peter. And Simon Peter is Andrew's brother. And here's his story. So Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter, which is translated rock. So Simon's story is different from the other two because Simon Peter was probably not the cream of the crop of the day. Simon Peter was probably back home working the family trade, fishing. Simon Peter was an average person, you would call him. He washed out. Maybe he went to the elementary school for whatever it may be. Maybe he even made it to the high school. And then he washed out. 
And then he joined ordinary life as an ordinary person, the life that pretty much everyone else has. But Andrew, his brother, had met this great teacher who John the Baptist said was the Lamb of God. And Andrew, in all excitement, realizes he needs to show his brother this Jesus. This is a big deal. So I imagine Simon Peter kind of being dragged along by his brother, like, all right, fine, I'll go. And he meets Jesus. And do you know what he says? Nothing. Nothing. And Jesus says, you will be called Cephas. You will be my rocky you will follow me. You see, Jesus calls the religious one percenters, but he also calls the average Joe, the normal guy, the ordinary. That's who Jesus calls. Jesus calls the ordinary to follow him. Move on to the next disciple. Here's disciple number four, Philip. Philip's story is long, so be prepared. You ready? The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. And that's it. Boom, done, finished. Philip was probably not one of the cream of the crop as well. He was not one of the 1% of the 1%. Philip was probably an ordinary guy just like everyone else. And it didn't really appear that Philip was searching for anything. At least the story doesn't tell us that. Philip is just hanging out, maybe leaning against the wall. Jesus walks by and says, you, follow me. Okay. And then follows along. You see, sometimes we hunger for more. We want to search God. We desire for God. We want God so bad. We want to know God. And so we search. And some of us, we need to be sought. We need God to come to us. And it's exactly what Jesus does. Jesus calls the found to follow him. And then there's the last disciple, This one's my favorite. I love this story. It's the story of Nathaniel. Let me read this for you. This is Nathaniel's story. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what does Nathaniel say? Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see, Philip says. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit, because he's honest. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree, before Philip called you. Then... Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And he followed him. See, Nathanael is different from the rest of the disciples. Philip meets Jesus and then finds his buddy Nathanael and says, dude, you've got to meet this guy. This is the Messiah. You've got to meet him. This is awesome. And he's like, okay, I guess. Nathanael is not enthused. Nazareth? Can the Messiah even come from Nazareth? Can he? You see, Nathaniel is a skeptic. Yet this skeptic meets Jesus. And after a little bit of conversation, if you ever want to dive into a passage, this is the one. 
But after a little bit of conversation, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. You see, sometimes Jesus calls even those of us who aren't sure we can believe. Jesus calls the skeptic to follow him. Jesus called his disciples exactly as he found them, wherever they were. Some of them were gifted. Some of them were ordinary. Some of them weren't searching for anything. And others were just downright skeptical. And Jesus wanted all of them, all of them and all of their diversity to follow him. You see, this is how Jesus works. You know, the system of teachers and students in this time, of rabbi and Talmudim, in, in, the, in the first century was relatively straightforward. One had to be good enough, one had to be smart enough, and doggone it, people needed to like them for them to be a disciple. It's how the system worked. Jewish disciples had to be the top tier to make it. But Jesus, like Jesus always does, does it differently. Jesus doesn't accept only those who seek. Jesus accepts those who aren't seeking at all. In fact, Jesus does something completely shocking in his day. You see, teachers at this time never sought out students. They waited. They waited for the students to come to them. It's how it worked. Students come to me, and then I'll evaluate if you can be here. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus didn't wait for followers. Jesus sought them out. And Jesus is no different today. Jesus doesn't wait for you to come to him. Jesus right now in this place is calling you to follow him. You know, whether you are schooled or unschooled or searching or wandering or faithful or skeptical or up and up or down and out, Jesus is calling you this morning to follow him exactly where you are. You know, on Monday nights, you will almost always find me in the other building with our Recovery for Life. Recovery for Life is a ministry full of uh, support groups and stuff like that. And then beforehand, there's a, there, there's a meal. And I love the meal because you go and you sit down with someone you don't know and you get to hear a story. And boy, do these people tend to have stories. They're good ones. They're great ones. Recently, I, I sat down with a gentleman. He was new. And we sat down and we started to chat. And he started telling me about his life. He had uh, gotten in trouble with substance abuse and he lost his kids. His kids were gone and he wanted to get his kids back really bad. And he said he went to church when he was a kid, but then it kind of faded and he just stopped. It really wasn't a thing that he was going to do. And at one point in the conversation, I said, well, would you come to church here on a Sunday with me? Like, what, what would that look like? Could you do that? And this is what he said. I'd love to join you, but I've got to work on a couple things first. I'd love to join you, but I've got to work on a couple things first. I have to get my life situated before I can head back to church. As a pastor, I hear this a lot. I've got to clean myself up first, 
then maybe I can be a part of this community. Then maybe Jesus will accept me. And perhaps this is your view this morning too. Perhaps you want to follow Jesus and you want to be a part of the church, but you feel that you just can't start the journey because you look at your life and you're like, this is not good enough. They wouldn't accept that. Jesus certainly wouldn't accept that. But you see, Jesus doesn't operate that way. Jesus invites each of us, you and me, to follow him from wherever and whatever situation may be. Wherever you come from, Jesus says, follow me. You know, some of us are incredibly talented, smart people. We know our Bibles, we pray, we're disciplined with our faith. Our life is bearing fruit, and Jesus, of course, says, follow me. But if you're not that, if you're like, you know, I'm an average guy, John. I'm not that great. I'm neither here nor there. I'm just kind of in the middle. Jesus calls you too. And if you feel like you're at the bottom, you are at the bottom of the barrel and life is hard and you've made a billion mistakes, Jesus still calls you. So today is an invitation. You know, over the next several weeks, We're going to be following along with the disciples, experiencing the story through their eyes. We are going to see them make really big mistakes. And we're going to see moments that are great where they finally get it. And we're going to realize that we are no different. And Jesus always comes back and says, follow me. Follow me. So each week we're going to have a step that we can take. This week's step is to follow Jesus. I challenge you this week, take a a, a card or whatever it may be, write the word follow on it and place it all over the place. And when you're sitting at work and you see that card and something happens, you can say, how in this situation can I follow Jesus? How can I do that right here? How can we do that? And along with this step, there's also going to be a couple other things. One, each week, and this week is specific to, to follow, Pray for a heart to follow Jesus. This week the challenge is to pray for a heart to follow Jesus. Whether you're a Christian for the first time or you're not or you have been for a long time, what does it look like for God to give you a heart to follow Jesus for that next step or first step? The second, pray for an opportunity to follow Jesus. Pray that God puts an opportunity in your path where you can say, I can follow Jesus here and it will make a big difference. It will be out of the ordinary. It will be a left turn. It will be following Jesus. Pray for that opportunity. And when it comes, pray that God helps you take that opportunity. In a moment, we are going to go to God and we're going to pray. You know, perhaps right now, You've been to church recently. You're dipping your toe back in the pool. You haven't been to church in a long, long time, and you're going to give it that next try. Perhaps that's you this morning. Or perhaps you're the skeptic, and you're like, I'm not sure I can buy this whole thing. I'm just not sure that that I can buy it. But maybe God's speaking to me here. I, I, I don't know. Or maybe you are a seasoned follower of Jesus, and you've been doing this for a long, long time, and you're like, I don't know what that next step is. What's the next step I'm supposed to take? God, where do you want me to go next? What does it look like to follow Jesus now? In a moment, we're going to have a moment of silence in the middle of the prayer. In that prayer, wherever you're at, I'm going to ask you to to pray and do business with God. 
Maybe for you it's a first time step in following Jesus and you feel like God's calling you to do that today. Maybe you're not sure and you need to argue it out with God. Maybe you're stepping back in and you're asking God, how can I make some steps now? How can I take that next step into the church from being so far away? Or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. What's that next step look like, God? And so we're going to take a moment in the prayer where we can do business with God. Let's pray. God, we are thankful for the disciples. And we're thankful for how Jesus treats them and calls them no matter where they come from. And God, we pray that you help us see that we're no different, that wherever we're at, God wants us to follow Jesus. God, we're going to have a moment of silence where this whole church prays to you, to themselves. God, I pray that your spirit be over that prayer. Church, we can pray. God, these are the prayers of your people. Praying for guidance. What's that next step look like, God? God, we pray that your spirit come over this whole community and you show us clearly what that next step looks like in following Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.